Hello and welcome to By the Mash Tan, a podcast by a couple of nerds where we brew some beer, drink some beer, and have a nice little chat about some beer. I'm Mike Harrison Wood. I'm Carl Noble. Yay! And we've got a guest with us today, Dave Ashmore. <laughs> hello. Uh, hello. How's it going? Yeah, all good, thanks. Yay! What's with the yay? Is, yay. That, is, is that a new thing you do? Yeah, I'm just super excited. Yay! You're here! Yay, I've had a lot of coffee, here. all right? Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. So today we are not doing our usual... Uh, style focus where we look at a certain style and brew on ourselves today we are doing a back to basics episode where we we go right back and do almost like a glossary episode where these are all the things you need to know at least before you start brewing yeah so i think the plan is we're going to do uh four of these episodes yep. uh interspersed throughout our standard uh schedule uh, and they're going to be focused on kind of uh, individual bits yep. of the process and the, as a whole. Yep. So today we're looking at the brew day. Here's the minimum, which is why we've got Dave. Hello again. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, now you've just completed. Uh, you're just doing your second brew day. That's ever. right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we've brought you on as our uh, expert novice. Yeah. Consultant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Expert at not knowing quite what you're doing yeah and just, getting just stressed essentially over it. winging it and, yeah and panic and flail yeah, yeah. Nice. No, so these good. are my expertise yeah good i like it uh yeah so um what made you want to get into brewing and you know just give us a quick a quick rundown of that uh i think i think like most people i quite like beer yeah um so that's that's one justification for making my own um and i think one of the main drivers for me was because some of the beers that I really like aren't hugely sort of popular and and available. They're getting they're getting more so, but I, I you know I I think I struggle to find some of the things that I really like. So I just definitely want to make my own and also make stupider versions of them because I, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be like economically viable to you know yeah uh, do, 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 do at a commercial level yeah that is uh, one of the enough. disadvantages with the uh super experimentation is that you can spend a lot of money on weird ingredients and then it just doesn't work and you have to sink yeah. it yeah, yeah that's fine oh well that's homebrew yeah exactly that's, that's that's home brewing. yeah so should we get into the basics let's get the into very the basics. basics the minimum of what you have to know uh so starting off the ingredients of beer there are many there are many, but there's there only are. four that are in 99.9% of all beers. Yeah. Uh, and they, as you may well know, are water, malt, hops, and yeast. Got to have that yeast, man. Got to have that yeast. Water, there is some very complex technical stuff you can really get into with water. Yeah. But we won't do that. Nope. Uh, for the benefit of doing your first ever homebrew ever, don't worry about it. Yeah, just get it from your tap. Yeah. Just just use good, solid tap water. Yeah. Uh, don't run it through a garden hose, though. I mean, you can, but not not like a super long reel. If you've got just like a meter of hose, that's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You're not, you're not going to get much rubbery taste <laughs> no. from that. No, you're not. <laughs> unless that's what you're going for. Yes. Yeah, unless you <laughs> want to make a rubber beer. That's one, yeah. of, the, that's one of the weird ones that I quite if like. It, if it's your first brew, maybe don't try rubber beer. No. 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 So you, you take this water and you heat it up. You do. You get it hot. Some people use gas burner, that type of thing. Some people use electric elements. Some people use uh, urns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, is you like you can use uh, you can use all sorts really. Um, yeah. But the that's going to be your hot liquor tank. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is weird brewing. This is the first of many weird brewing words. Yeah. Or weird. It, the word itself isn't weird, but weird brewers using words weirdly. Yeah. So like, if 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 <laughs> if, if you hear or read the word liquor. That doesn't mean some sort of alcoholic beverage that you need to be making your beer with. Uh, it just means water. Yes. That is essentially it. So you get your hot liquor tank, which, predictably enough, is water that is hot. But weirdly, you also get your cold liquor tank. It's not a cold water tank. It's a cold liquor tank, even though it's just a vessel that just has some water in it. Because water's liquor in brewing. So, you know, how, 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 how did you find uh, navigating the minefield of um, kind of brewing terminology? Did you just say minefield? Uh, I've got a cold, yeah. so I don't know how it came across, <laughs> but you know. It's fine. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that they, they really didn't think about the, the terminology when all of that was sort of put in place. Yes. Yeah, hot liquor tank to me very much sounded like brew kettle, and kettle is where you boil the water at yeah. the start. So, yeah, it all seems a bit backwards. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, can, you sort of work your way around that. Yeah. And you handled heating up the water. Yeah, I, I think I just <laughs> about managed that. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got, nice. I got there in the end. So, good, yeah. good. Cool. Second up. Malt. Yeah. Yeah. Malt is a uh, form of barley. Uh, barley, the plant, what grows in the ground and that. Uh, it's it's sort of like wheat, but it's slightly different. Um, <laughs> Man, you're keeping this real basic. Yeah, right? real basic. I think we can safely assume our listeners know what barley is. Yeah, well, okay. So you know <laughs> what barley is, right? We're starting with that assumption. Uh, malt is something you can do to this barley to make it better for brewing. Uh, we won't get into like the, the really uh, heavy system of that, but you, you you get it wet and then you wait and then you heat it up. And, yeah. and it, it just basically means that all of the sugars and starches are like ready to go. They're, everything is maximized as much as possible so that as soon as it's added to that hot water, as much of that uh, grainy sugar can just burst out into the water. So... That type of thing takes time uh, in a process that is called mashing in or or the mash in the mash tun. Mash is another weird brewer's weird word uh, because it's not like potato. You're not like you're not you're not you're not mashing (laughs) anything. You're not crushing anything. You you don't use like a a masher to do it. So normally the grain is sent through uh, a mill of some description to actually break open the grain so that it is. Uh, you know, just a bigger surface area. It's more readily accessible so that the the, the water can draw those sugars out. Um, I know some people, they like to crush their own grain. Yep. Uh, but, I mean, uh, Dave, I think you probably bought Ready Crushed. I bought crushed. it Ready Crushed. It was an yeah. option on the website. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just an easier thing to do, you know, unless you've got a large amount of grain and you actually want to crush it yourself because it stores better whole yes. than it does crushed. Uh, you can store it crushed for probably about a year, uh, whereas whole it'll actually last much longer as long as you keep it dry. Yeah. So if you're if you're buying in bulk, uh, many homebrew suppliers you can order in bulk for cheaper. Uh, but the trade-off is you then also have to buy something that crushes the grain. So at some at some point it's more economical, but it depends how much you're looking to brew. It's up to you. Uh, the uh, so the the mash is this process where the grain does sit 
in that water. Uh, there is a wide but specific temperature uh, time where that happens. Uh, there's enzymes within the grain itself that sort of break down the sugars even more and push that into the water. Um, and they operate from between, uh, was it 63 degrees C and uh, 70-ish, 72. Well, you can yeah, go so I, much I, higher, I, 72, can't you? Uh, we're going to do everything in metric, by yeah. the way. So if if you uh, use Imperial, uh, we're doing it in metric. Yeah, so. I've, I, I've had enough of American podcasts not giving their fucking metric <laughs> numbers come on guys it's easier it's so easier. yeah the, so basically anything between uh 63 and uh about 68 69 uh is going to be your ideal mashing temperature depending on the style of beer you're brewing and um sort of what you're looking for whether or not you're wanting a sweet beer a dry beer um that'll be kind of that i, I mean i don't know how you found that because you're using a recipe book yeah, to, that's right. to kind of do your recipes, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so, what have you read outside of that recipe book? Like, how did you get your head round the the mashing temperatures, or have you not? I, I think it's fair to say I've not quite got there yet. I, I think um, the first recipe that I did, my mashing temperature was sort of all over the place. Yeah. And I made a, a bunch of mistakes trying to get that right. Um, I. The, the sort of knowledge that I got elsewhere was just about trying to get the the right conversion uh, on sugar, on the sugars. Yeah. Um, and if you you know if you mash at the wrong temperature, you're going to get totally the wrong. Um, yes. Profile. Yeah. yeah. You, you, like, if if you're trying to make something like crisp and clean, and you yeah. and you've mashed at the wrong temperature, and you've just got this malty sweet sugar cake. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Because um, the the essence of this is the higher the temperature that you mash in. So if you're doing the upper range, sort of 69, 70, uh, the sugars come out of the grain a bit rushed and they are much longer chain sugars. Like yeah. a really, like, like, like a, much like more a complex. Complex, wiggly, mm-hmm. long chain sugar. Uh, and the yeast, which we'll get into is step number four, have a really tough job of crunching down these long chain sugars into alcohol. Mm. Whereas if you're doing it at a low temperature, uh, it's a slower process. It produces much the shorter chain molecules that are much simpler for the yeast to n- gobble on. And so with a lower temperature, you end up with a thinner beer because all of that sugar has been munched and turned into alcohol. Yeah. Whereas at a higher temperature, uh, the longer chains will still be there when you're drinking the beer after it's finished. Yeah. So you end up sweeter, mal- a little bit more malty, a little bit more... Uh, robust beer. I think yeah. that's that's the white way round, isn't it? I believe so. Yay! Mm. How long have I been? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I the the thing is, there's a lot of different um, kind of things that you can do. Most most people who get into home brewing, like they will use a recipe book to begin with, um, and then at later at a later stage, they'll start going into kind of creating their own recipes. Um, and at that point, then you start needing to to actually know what temperatures to be mashing at um, just because that's an important thing when you're trying to create a recipe in your head. Mm. Uh, whereas if you just follow the book, you just do what the book says. Uh, and that seems to make things much easier. Yeah, that works for me. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, quite simple in that yeah. respect. That, yeah, it does, it, it does the job. We'll get into recipe creation in a later episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, you've, you've found 
getting that temperature? Uh, I found it pretty pretty tricky. Uh, I've I've not been using uh, any of the sort of tools that you guys use at the moment, but I need to sort of do that. The yeah, beer, beer smith, and yeah. So the, like, like, like we use beer smith. I mean, there, there is various other things. There's free calculators online and stuff like that. For um, so one of the things when you're mashing in that you need to be careful of is your strike water temperature. Yeah. Uh, so strike water is the from the hot liquor tank going into your mash tun, um, and when you're adding the grain. So if you've got a mash temperature of 65 degrees, if your mash tun is at room temperature, that's 20 degrees. Uh, so that will have a specific weight. Um, that will absorb some of the heat from the water. And then you've also got your grain. If that's at 20 degrees, that's also going to absorb some weight. It's kind of like chucking an ice cube into a cup of tea. It's going to cool it down. Because yeah. all that energy is going to get absorbed, and not all of it. So strike water always is hotter than what you're planning to mash yes. at, just because everything has to equal out. And the strike water is the water from the hot liquor tank. Yeah, that's going into your yeah. mash. Yeah. More words. More words, yes. yes. So it's it, it all makes sense once you start doing yes. it, because you just hear the words often enough. Yeah. So <laughs> you've mashed in... There you go. There's a, there's those words again for about an hour now. Yeah. Uh, allowing plenty of time for the all the sugars to come into the. Uh, what is no longer called hot liquor, it is now called either wort or wort, depending, depending on, on where you're from. Where you're from, it is always spelt W O R T. Yeah. Some people pronounce it uh, wort. Some people or pronounce vert. it or vert. vert. Some people pronounce it wort because it's spelt wort. Uh, some people try and pronounce some sort of ambiguous hybrid of the two to appease everyone. Wort. Uh, yeah. Wort. Wort. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's it's another weird brewer's weird word. Uh, it's it's just pre-boiled beer, basically. It's 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 sugary water that's nice. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, uh, you would still call it um, wort post-boiled as well. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. So it's basically, it's... That's just the name of the the liquid you have once it's been mashed. Yep. Um, after that, and you you take that wort and you <laughs> put it into your third vessel, which is called either a kettle or a copper. Uh, I believe there are other yep. words, burners, something. I don't know. Um, that uh, is for the boiling process. Now, before that, there's also another weird brewer's weird word. The sparge, yeah, mm. which is uh, so. After you drain the mash tun, you've gotten all the wort out. You've still got a whole bunch of wet grain, but the grain is wet with wort. So you need to add more water in a sort of showering motion to wash the grain of the wort, so you can put the wort in the copper. Yeah, and, and, and what exactly, <laughs> exactly that, and, and and what that will do is that like that will also. Um, help rinse a lot of the excess sugars yeah. uh, into the liquid um, but again you're doing that you're not you don't do that with uh, mash temperature water no you, you do, do it with you, hot. Do, you, you, you do that with generally what is your kind of strike water temperature mm. um, so it hits it at like 75 76 degrees um, and that also helps kind of stop the process um, so yeah it's a way of kind of rinsing through um and yeah it's 
it gets a bit more complex than that, but that is the basics yeah. of it. And that is called sparging. Yep. And you can there's various types of sparging. Yeah. You can do continuous sparging, you can do batch sparging. Um or there is a different method where you can actually just put all of your liquor into your mash, mash yep. with the whole lot, and then just don't worry about yeah, it. Is, just just, just drain it all through and don't bother sparging. That this is, is like predict- a- predictably called no sparge. Yes. Is this similar to brew in a bag? Yeah, brew in a bag uh, is typically no sparge. Yes, yeah, well, I, I, because like, like brew in a bag style, um, which is essentially, it's really good if you've got very little space because you need one vessel. Yeah. That's it. Your your one vessel is it's going to be your it's gonna take the place of your hot liquor tank, your mash tun, and your boil kettle. It's gonna be all three. Yeah. And it's essentially just making a tea bag out of all the ingredients <laughs> except <laughs> your hops and banging it in. Yeah. So you, you you've got your wort, uh fro- and post sparge wort as well, in your heating vessel, whether it's the same vessel or a new one. Uh one thing I can recommend is if you just go grab a mug dip it in have a try of that if you like the sweet sugary uh beverages that's lovely yeah uh, just have a little sip of that it's lovely uh but then you heat it up hooray get it nice and hot get it to 100 degrees uh you might have various methods of heating so again some use uh gas some use elements in the container itself yeah uh there are all sorts of methods uh, and there are also certain reasons for doing that. Uh, one of which is the other lovely ingredient, hops, which is a plant. I do like hops. Mm. Yes, tasty plant that have been selectively bred over centuries to be as punchy and flavoursome as they can be. Yep. Uh, so not only do they add a particular delicious fruity flavour, if added late, uh, they also add that bitter uh, finish to a beer that makes it moorish, makes it dry, makes it uh, not as stodgy sweet. Yeah, so it, it, it's there to kind of counterbalance the the kind the maltness yeah. uh, of beer because you know traditionally beer would have been bittered with all sorts of various things, um, but hops just became popular because they didn't have any other use. Hmm. You can't really use hops for anything else. Yeah, the uh, the the key part is. The earlier you add it in the boil, the more of that bitter dry finish and the less of the hop flavour you get. Whereas the later you get almost none of that uh, dry finish and much more of the big hop fruity flavour. So if you're going for something dry and refreshing like a lager, you want to put most of your hops early on, although light touch because it's quite a light body. Whereas if you're going for like a big sort of fruit round New England IPA style thing. All of your hops want to be bunged in at the end. You might want to put in like a tiny, tiny amount at the uh, just at the start. Uh, but ideally, boil them for sixty minutes. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you can go less. You can go more. It's- yeah. So uh, the, like the the boiling process has uh, numerous different reasons. Um, my understanding of it is it's there to uh, sterilise your beer. Uh, so up until this point. Uh, kind of, you know, making sure that everything's sterile isn't really that important. I mean, obviously, you want to bo- you want to uh, always brew clean as you can, uh, but after boil, that should be it sanitized. Uh, but it's also to help reduce the volume down. Mm. So you're going to have a lot of liquid, a lot more than you actually want. So if you're doing a twenty liter batch, chances are you're going to have about thirty liters. Uh, 
of wort before you boil, and then you're going to get boil off. Depending on your equipment, will depend on how much of a boil off you have. Mm. Um, and you've done one boil so far, Dave. How, yeah, how did that's that right. go? Yeah, good. Uh, I think I started with about 25 litres, and yeah. then um, it, at the end came out with s- somewhere around 20. Yeah, uh, but I didn't do oh, a super wow. vigorous. Yeah. I didn't do a super vigorous boil, um, mainly because I. I, I sort of turned it down because I was making indoor rain in my garage. Yes. Um, so I, I yeah, ends up like a rainforest, doesn't it? Like, like, if, like if you brew indoors, especially if it's a cold day outside, yeah, everything just condenses and it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it's foggy. I've, I've been out this week and bought a, a, an extractor fan to try and help with that, so I can yeah. do a bit more vigorous. So I'm gonna maybe sparge a little bit more than last time. And, yeah. Yeah. Try and try and concentrate that down a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and, and what that does is that, that that concentrates the sugar that's in there so that can give you um, mm. uh, a better ABV um, yeah. and it just it helps break down um, you know more of those sugars and you know it, it's it's a useful process yeah. you don't have to boil for the full hour if you don't want to and some people boil for longer yeah yeah uh, there are certain weird chemistry off flavors that can happen if you don't boil as well but yeah. they're not they're not huge don't worry about them just boil it for at least 10 minutes yeah or at most two hours i i did <laughs> uh, i went to a homebrew shop ages ago uh, pretty much when i first started and they were doing um they had like a brew thing out back and they were doing it no boil uh basically it was all everything was done through ec- extracts so it was all um you know malt extract and stuff like that so there was no mashing in at all they didn't oh, mash okay. or anything uh they didn't boil the water they just kind of mixed it through but they sanitized everything um using uv light oh. so all, so all they did was it, like nothing went above like 20 degrees uh, it was all hop it was all hop oils and stuff like that so they didn't have to boil for any of the hops like all the bitter was coming through hop oils yeah it was just like I mean that's, that's that's one that's one way of doing it. That's yeah. really odd though, because I mean you you wanting to protect your beer a lot from UV. This is why we use <coughs> like brown bottles. Well, yeah, but but that is um, that's post uh, um, like kind of post fermentation. Whereas like if you're using hop oils and stuff like that, and all you're using the UV light is to actually just sterilize the water. Once it's sterile, it's fine. I suppose so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't you're not bothered about UV light getting into your boil kettle. True, yeah. So, well, I, I am, but yeah, that's just me. <laughs> cool. So you you've boiled your your wort. It's still called wort. Yeah. You then have to try and cool it down as quickly as possible. Now yeah. there are several methods to that. Uh, if you're doing a particularly small batch in in a sort of uh, five liter stock pot or something, one option is to just put it in the sink in some cold water keep adding ice or keep adding cold water and sort of circulate that around the pot not in the pot don't put the cold water in the pot put the cold water around the pot and then that will draw out some of the heat and if you keep changing that water it's it's quick it's easy don't worry about it uh there are other methods including uh, a sort of uh, copper coil a sort of uh, a thing that you submerge in the beer as long as you're running cold water through it there's a lot of surface area cools down the water pretty quickly or you can use something called a chill plate which is uh, similar but instead of being submerged in the beer you have to use a pump to sort of pull the beer out 
it goes through the stir plate, the uh, stir plate, uh, the, the chill, chill plate, uh, which maximizes the touching of the cold water. Yeah, it's essentially like a radiator. Yeah, but yeah, you, mm. so you do have to have a pump for that one. Uh, you can't just run it off sort of mains pressure like you can with the others. Yeah. Um, and then once you've got that down to a nice temperature, you sling it in something which you don't, probably... Don't all, sling it. Don't sling it. Or, <laughs> Uh, into something called a fermenter, which you know is perhaps the least dumb word of the dumb words that we've heard today. I think it's the one that most people will go, okay, yeah, I pretty much I know, what, what, no, I know what that yeah. does, even though fermentation is just a silly word in itself. Anyway. Yes, yeah. It's a great <laughs> word, but it's very silly. So the, the fermenter is where the magic happens, where you add the yeast. Uh, the reason for cooling it down uh, is that the yeast are a living organism, and if it's too hot, they will literally die. Don't, yeah. mm. don't. So, oh, here's another one. Pitch. Pitch yeah. is uh, one of the weird brewers' weird words uh, for uh, just pouring yeast into it. Yeah. So, so, so you pitch the yeast. You pitch the yeast. You throw it as hard as you can. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Into the wind into up. The like, like, it's just like baseball. Yeah. 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 So, if you pitch the yeast into what that is too hot, all the yeast will die. Nothing will happen. Hmm. You just end up yeah. with it catching something else. Yeah. You don't want that. So you want to get it down to, at most, early 20s, maybe? Uh, yeah, no, you, you, you basically want to get it to whatever your fermentation temperature is. So the, close, the closer to your fermentation temperature, the better. Um, don't shock your yeast in any way. That's, the, that's, that's, that's the, another that's, word. Yeah, so... Shock. Well, I mean, like, like that's that's not a brewing term. That's just the word shot. Because if you put it into uh, water that is too cold, you will also shock the yeast. So what will happen there is you will put the yeast in um, and it'll just go dormant Yeah. until it starts warming up again. Um, um, other, so, other types of shock can in, involve nutrition and that type of thing. And yes, there's, yeah. there's, there's many ways to shock yeast. Uh, most of them cause an off flavour of some kind or another. Yeah, so, or, or um, like kind of delayed fermentation yeah. uh, or stuck fermentation. Uh, various different things like this can be caused through shocking your yeast. As Mike said, yeast is a living thing and you know it, it needs a nice environment to live in. And normally yeah. wort is a really nice environment for it to live in. Yeah, yeah. The, again, with the hops, uh, the yeast has been sort of selectively isolated. So the, these are strains specifically good at doing this job yeah. which is converting the sugars in beer into alcohol uh, some of them are so clean fermenting as well like they produce so little other flavors in there such as uso5 a big classic if you look if you're looking to brew a clean beer use uso5 come on uh, why, wouldn't you? why wouldn't you uh other other little tweaks uh, if if you have temperature controlled fermentation which isn't necessary don't worry about it too much if you can control the temperature at which you're fermenting if it's lower you will get less yeast flavors and more of the flavors of the beer but fermentation will take longer if you're fermenting hotter warmer uh, the opposite is true so you will get more yeasty flavors but you will get a faster beer one thing you really don't want or you want to minimize as possible is uh, as much as possible is fluctuations in temperature so you don't want to put it in a place that is going to go from 10 all the way up to 25 and back down regularly yeah. you want it in a place that is at most only like plus or minus 
three or four degrees. Yeah. So, like, I mean, like fermentation is an exothermic reaction. It will generate heat. Yes, that's uh, also something so, to watch so, out for. So, whatever your mash temperature, not your mash temperature, your fermentation temperature is, um, you want to be keeping it in a place that is slightly cooler than that because, you know, when yeast does its job, it gets warm, basically. Yeah. So, a lot of people use airing cupboards. And that's yeah. Within. So, w- w- or, w- what are you doing with your fermentation? Have you got temperature control, or I have got the kit to do it, um, okay. but I haven't implemented that just yet. Right. So, what, space so, constraints. So, so, what is your plan today? My plan today is to sit it uh, just to my right, which is where um, the last brew is sitting. Bottle conditioning. Okay. Uh, this room stays relatively warm. It stays between sixteen and nineteen. But I've got um, one of those little laser temperature measuring guns yep. that I just uh, measured the side temperature of the fermenter you know every time I went past it seemed to sit at between 16 and 19 degrees which seems pretty alright so, uh, yeah it'd be worth measuring the temperature of the actual yeah I didn't uh, want to of, of, of the beer itself I didn't want to infect it because I'm quite a filthy person right. <laughs> yeah um, I mean try, like trying to stay super clean is uh, great but beer is pretty robust mm. like um because i know you were talking about uh, in your last brew you didn't have uh, too much uh airlock yeah kind yeah, of bit going on almost zero airlock activity uh, and you say that's probably because it wasn't sealed correctly mm. um i don't use airlocks mm. at all no me neither. Like, not yeah. even a little all i do is i put the lid on and i keep the lid cracked slightly because uh, a part of the brewing um process when yeast is turning sugar into alcohol, a byproduct of that is CO2. Mm. Uh, so you're all, you've always got positive pressure. Yeah, that's true, I guess. And uh, air will sit on top of CO2. So you're always going to have a CO2 blanket. So you don't have to worry about oxidation. If you've got a lid on, um, bacteria doesn't crawl. No, Germs just don't crawl. Yeah, yeah. Like all these things fall into your beer. So if you've got the lid cracked a little bit, Unless you're actively putting things into it, like don't stick your finger in your beer. Oh, but unless you're, damn it! Unless you're actively any anything that goes into the beer has to be sterile. But if you're using a laser thermometer, crack the lid. <coughs> Sorry, crack the lid and just zap it with the laser thermometer, and you can do that relatively safely. Okay. Um, try and keep it clean. Don't, just don't worry too much. Yeah. Like, getting yourself stressed out, because you, your brew day is stressful enough. Especially yeah. your first couple of brew days, they are stressful. Yeah. Don't worry too much about it. It will work. Yeah. It's the, been working for thousands of years. People, people haven't been <laughs> using stainless steel things. You know, we've always managed to make beer. We've been doing it for a very long time, get, and not with the kit we have now. There are certain characteristics of beer as well that make them particularly robust against infection as well not saying infections don't happen but things like the hops are specifically antibacterial yeah, yeah. they they are good at and even some sort of lambic styles and some uh, wild fermentation styles they purposely say don't hop it too much like if you put too much hops in it the wild bacteria will not work with it yeah. because of that uh you've also got things like ph uh it's it's very slightly uh, acidic the beer uh, part of the part of the mashing process does lower the ph of uh of the wort that's something 
when you get more advanced, you can start paying attention to. Don't worry about it for the first few batches. You're fine. Don't worry. It's not going to go too much uh, into one realm or another. No. Uh, also, the alcohol itself. If it has been chugging away nicely and has got up to 4 or 5%, that is going to be too hostile for most things. Mm. It, and there's also a lot of yeast in there already. And there's, so, yeah, they're so, going to so, out-compete. Yeah, it's, so like, like, that's it. it it's, it's like a dense forest. Uh, yeah. you, like you, if you get a small thing into that, it's it's not going to be able to compete with the already active culture that's in there. So it's your beginning stages that are your fragile bit. But don't poke it; just leave it alone. Like the yeast knows what it's doing, right? So yeah. what, like what I do, like what, like one of my jobs takes me away from home quite often, um, and it works perfectly because I do a brew just before I go away. I'm gone for two weeks, and then. I know it's just left. I don't touch it. I don't look at it. I'm not constantly sampling it. I'm not constantly checking <laughs> stuff. It's just no, sod it. It'll it'll do it. It'll do it. Yeah. Mm. It, beer will happen. Yeah. Beer <laughs> will, beer will happen. out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's that. The, the, I think that's the biggest uh, bit of advice that I, I could give to like people who are just starting is don't worry. Like it's gonna be. It's gonna, your brew day is gonna be stressful, but. Ultimately, it won't really matter. You're going to get beer. Yeah. Like, don't panic. In about four weeks, you'll be able to have a drink of your first ever beer. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. We, we've, we've dealt with the basics of the process from start to the point at which you've got beer. Yeah. I think it's now time we ask Dave some questions about the learning process. How have you found it? Uh, um, I think it's it's been sort of immensely stressful doing the, the brew day itself. Like you guys have already mentioned, it's... Um, there's just so much going on, so much you have to remember. Yeah. Um, and so many variables that it's quite a lot to get a grip of initially, especially where, in my case, you've got a lot of sort of shonky equipment that you've put, put together. That's like, not a brewer's term. That's just... A that's term. That's just shonky, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I started out with, like, a lot of um, homemade uh, cobbled together stuff yeah. and first brew some of it fell to bits and that was <laughs> it happens man like, like, even some of the professional kit falls to bits yeah I so. mean <laughs> my my brew day was supposed to start at sort of 10 o'clock and I didn't even get going until 1 o'clock because I couldn't get the plate chiller to connect to the taps without exploding water everywhere right okay so stuff like that uh, so it was just a case of really taking it slow and, and yes yeah know, taking your time and trying not to stress too much about it but yeah and inevitably um it will end up as a stressful event so the, the, the way i always look at it uh or the way i try, try and explain to people uh it helps if they can drive or at least are learning to drive is when you're learning to drive a car for you know your your first few lessons everything seems like it's like oh, i don't understand how people do this there's there's no possible way i can go round a roundabout and change gear at the same time going round the roundabout while keeping a hand on the wheel watching for traffic looking at the and this is like yeah that's what, once you've been analogy. driving for a few years all of that stuff just happens you just do it without thinking driving is not a stressful event for most people um but that is the best way i can do yeah, it. it that makes a lot of sense when you learn to drive, it's stressful and you don't understand how anybody manages it. But actually, once you get used to it and it becomes a streamlined thing, you can start doing podcasts during <laughs> during a brew day yeah, because you've got nothing else. To, like for me, brew days, they're real nice and chilled out. Like, mm. But like before we started doing podcasts, it was cool. And I'm just going to get to sit and play video games all day or sit and read. 
and just have a nice relaxing chilled out day yeah but and at the start it was stressful as out there are some processes that can be streamlined and and just really to that efficient level yeah. and and yeah same like mashing in used to be before doing this bloody podcast used to be right i've now got 60 minutes to just yeah i i can, I can either start prepping something else and have some relaxing time later or i just sit and... uh, like like once you get to know your kit and you know exactly what you need to be doing at what time it it, it does just become a stress-free sort mm. of thing it's only when something goes wrong that it suddenly becomes <laughs> yeah. like oh my god i've got to do something about this immediately so yeah, yeah like spilling loads of water over your kitchen floor. like spilling loads of water all over your kitchen floor because one of your tubes fell out yeah, yeah. um yeah falling so, tubes watch out for them <laughs> yeah uh, so there is there is something to be said for being kind of too relaxed mm. um what, but yeah what about the sort of chemistry and and the, the processes involved how have you found learning about them uh, I've tried not to think too much about that at the moment, if I'm honest. Uh, I, I've, I've got a sort of rough understanding, probably nowhere near uh, like uh, you guys or the, the professionals. Um, I, I, I kind of understand what you need to do to get where you need to go, but I, I'm, I'm trying to keep it sort of simple at the moment and not worry too much about it. That I think my end goal at the moment is to have beer that doesn't taste like toilet water yeah <laughs> a noble or, goal yeah it's, it's it's always a good idea yeah i'm not sure that. i'm not sure i've attained those dizzy heights just yet but no, once well, I, I mean, get yeah, there, yeah, yeah you haven't tried your first batch yet so yeah could exactly be bottles it's, of toilet water it, it looks a bit like that the question is is have you tried toilet water no. to get a reference <laughs> no i'll be doing it scientifically so i will be comparing <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the yeah. thing is like, like you, you need to calibrate your senses and you've got to have something to compare it against. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think once I've got these first few brews and the the process itself under my belt, then um, I'm going to start approaching things in quite a sort of scientific me- method. Yeah. Methodo- method. Methodology? Yes, that's the word. <coughs> Methodical, that's the one. There's, um, there's another word. So actually trying to brew um, potentially the same thing twice on successive brew days or splitting yeah. the brew... Um, after you've done the boil and then doing additions, <coughs> different additions di- later. So, you know, I, I want to try oaking uh, beer and things like that, which is, that's quite a, a difficult one to balance properly. So yeah, yeah. learning all those sort of things, I, I want to really um, take my time and be a bit scientific about it. I think. Yeah. So, uh, like, what sources are you using for the information currently? Um, so, there's there's loads of stuff out there on the internet. Yeah. Like just oodles, uh, oodles of things. Um, and there's also on um, <coughs> on Facebook. I'm a member of a couple of groups that people are sort of saying what they're up to, what's gone well, what's not gone so well. Mm. Usually, it's just hundreds of Americans making New England IPAs um, but there, there are other things out there and popular style at the moment yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on, on on there as well which is pretty interesting I've had some advice off those guys when I was having a little panic attack about that my beer hadn't fermented when it had um, but yeah there's, there's a huge amount of tools out there and then I've got like you guys that I can that's true yeah uh, you live five minutes away from me so yeah, that's yeah. easy peasy nice and um uh, so you've you've started out with certain recipes as well that uh, yeah. So in a book. I was, I was uh, 
quite a nice wife, um, Mike's sister. Um, yeah. And for Christmas, she bought me my first two grain bills, which uh, I've got this um, handy book that was also one of my Christmas presents, a little recipe book. Yeah. Um, a book that uh, we have mentioned in an episode. We uh, yeah. Episode eight, I believe, with uh, Andy Parker from Elusive Brewing. And this is going to be the first of a regular... Uh, section where we uh, do six degrees of Andy Parker, or as uh, Cow is calling it, uh, look deep into the Parker. That's what that's what I'm calling it. Yes. I'm calling it that uh, because everything in the homebrewing world at some point links back to Andy Parker. It's true. It's it, true. it does. It, like, like like everything has a Parker number. So this episode's Parker number is one, is yeah. it or zero? Uh, well, I, I, I'd say this is one because because we don't actually have Andy here. Okay. So if you've got Andy there, it's zero because yeah. he's, he's there. No, uh, he's but it's here. a one because you know he um, he has essentially written this book, or it's it's a rewriting of uh, an old book. Yes. Um, Updated with modern yes uh, yeah, beer processes recipes. and recipes and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, that is uh, what's the, is it? It's cameras essential home brewing. There you go. Yeah, uh, look that up. It's uh, especially with Malt Miller, who they collaborated with as well. Uh, Dave uh, got uh, the bag of ingredients that basically. Yeah, you that's can right. You can just go on on their website and just click. I want this recipe. Yeah, and, and they, they send, send you everything. everything you need. Yeah, so yeah. I was quite surprised that, that they send you some things that I wasn't expecting. So one of the recipes that I've got to brew in a couple of weeks is. It came with the lactose sugar, which yes. I really wasn't expecting, which yeah. is a nice, mm. nice addition. Well, that's it. Like, it it's just um, it's really helpful for if you like when you're first getting into it. If you're going, okay, well, I'm going to just use a pre-existing recipe uh, rather than having to go on and try and work out all the different grain quantities and everything. You need just going. I'll have that recipe pack, please. Exactly. Send me that, and then you go. So you're not having to weigh things out. So on your brew day, you're just opening a bag, pouring it in. And you, you're you're away to go. It's it's as close to a kit brew, but sticking with all grain yeah. as opposed to actually yeah. going down the kit brew uh, end of things. Um, so in that book, does it have like? Did you get a lot of the knowledge for the sort of equipment you might need um, and the processes behind all of that? Well, I already uh, I I got this book for Christmas, but yeah. I'd already got some similar books. Um, from uh, just finding them in sort of charity shops and things like that, just hoovering yeah. them up because I think they're you know a lot of people they start out on this path and then give mm. up quite quickly. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff out there book wise. So I'd got a lot of similar uh, literature, uh, which gave me an idea of what I needed to buy kit wise and how yeah. I needed to go along and about that. So thankfully, looking at the looking at the the guidelines here, I'm not too far away from where i ought to be in terms of equipment yes yeah yeah uh, i mean i don't know one of the things that really helped me out when i when i first started was uh, john palmer's how to brew ah. um, oh yeah yeah that's that, uh, uh, like yeah. you can you, you can buy that on um you know the internet and get a actual physical copy of the book or it is actually free online oh cool um, as so a pdf you, isn't it yeah. uh yeah so you, you no, it's a website yeah, yeah it's, it, it's a website so basically you just get onto search engine and just hit John Palmer's How to Brew, and you can actually find it. And in that, it goes, it it takes you through all of the processes, all of the equipment you need. It'll take you through all grain brewing, kit brewing, um, boiling the bag, mm. and it takes you through all of the advanced stuff as well. So it actually tells you 
why the sugar chains are broken down, what enzyme does it, why the yeast works. Uh, so it actually gets really, really in-depth. Um, and that was, for me, one of the first things that I started looking at going, okay, this is this is what I need to be knowing, mm-hmm. which is probably why I know as much as I do now. Um yeah, and for the reader's reference, what are we brewing today from Camera's Essential Home Brewing? Uh, today we are brewing a clone of Vibrant Forest's Black Forest, which they've called a, uh, a I think it's a pecan porter. Pecan. Pecan, not pecan. Pecan, uh, which I think is French for like salty, isn't it? But it's not salty. Uh, or yeah. spicy. It's or, spi- yeah, yeah, spicy. Sort of, yeah. But it's a porter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Vibrant so, Forest are a great brewery. They, yeah. they are, yeah, yeah. They are. yeah. They're really good. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice, simple recipe to start with. Um, and, yeah, I, I think there's less avenues for me to screw it up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is definitely, yeah. definitely good. Well, save us a bottle. Uh, we'll have to include it in <coughs> one of our final gravities at some point. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. I mean, mm. I'm going to have, you know, 20 litres. I can't drink it all. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Anything else you'd want to chime in about the uh, the brewing learning process? Uh, I don't know. I think that it's yeah. I think I need to just stress a bit less and yeah. take my time and avoid burning myself. Yeah, wise, it, it, wise words. Yeah, do, like, 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 do you have any advice for somebody who like? So this is your second brew day. Have you got any advice for people who like are just about to start? You know, just about to start their very first brew day. I don't know. I don't know if this is good advice or not, but I think I'm, I'm regretting not doing a, a dry run, as it were, like, but not actually dry, a wet run, right? As in doing it all, uh, but with just just, just water, water uh, right? And yeah. testing the kit because I did test all the kit separately. Yes. But then actually testing the process and seeing if the hoses that I'd got were long enough. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the settings on the pumps and things like that. I think if I'd have done a, a wet run, I would have avoided burning myself. Yes, last week, and I would have also avoided losing half my wort. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I think that is actually really sound advice because yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. gets you an understanding of your kit, and it's a lot less pressure. Yeah. Because yeah. you're not having. To, I mean, you don't have to boil for the full hour. And yeah, you stuff don't have like to that. mash in for and an hour. You definitely so. don't have to ferment just water. You know, don't don't take it all the way. It's gonna just, be it's gonna be full of complex flavors. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, that rubber, just got rubber yeast flavor. water. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think that is. I think that's really sound advice. Actually, is when you when you get all your kit together, just do a wet run and yeah. just see how it all works. Now all fits together when it's in a less stressful time, yeah. rather than spilling half your water all over the place. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dave. Thanks, yeah, Dave. thank you, guys. Uh, hopefully this uh, this episode's been informative for anyone uh, looking to start brewing or just wants to brush up on the basics. Uh, we'll see you next time. I think we're just doing a normal episode. Uh, we're going to do a steam beer. A steam beer. Yeah. Ooh. We'll Lovely. get into what that is. Oh, yeah. Then. It, it's, yeah, it's too much now. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.